0: 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I invite you to turn there with us today. We're going to dive right into this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're looking at verses 14 through 21. Again, we're in our 21-day season of prayer and of fasting. Uh, how are you enjoying the devotionals? Come on, Live and Hope faithful. You join them. Yeah, today is day 14. And uh, this morning's devotional is about uh, uh, giving ourselves first to the Lord. Giving financially and serving in ministry and stewardship is all about first surrendering all that I am and all that I have to Jesus. How many of you want to declare today, Jesus is owner of everything, isn't he? Yeah, is he owner of it all? Absolutely he is. He is owner of all things. And So it's that recognition that he owns it all. And, uh, you know, it's it's been said before, man, it sure is hard to give 10% to the church. You know, heard some say before, to ministry, to give to help others in need and and give of what we have. Man, it sure is hard to give 10%. Well, aren't you glad that God lets us keep 90? Come on, somebody. Hey, he could have said we need to give it all, and, uh, but he didn't. He said you give out of what you have. But the blessing comes when we give generously. It's an act of grace. And so uh, if you haven't gotten started with us, go by and grab this devotional. It's a free gift from us to you. It's right out in Kids Check-In Area at the Devo Resource Wall. Go by, grab it, <clears throat> dive in today. Start day one, walk through it. I know it's making a huge impact in our life. And so uh, I encourage you to do that. More in 24. Today, Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're looking at our new identity in Christ. If you know Jesus, uh, although uh, before Christ, we're just a bunch of nobodies. Aren't you glad that God takes nobodies and makes them somebodies for his kingdom? Come on now. Uh, it's been said that a big shot is just a little shot away from home, right? You, you, you ever met people like that? A big shot. Well, I got news for you today. In God's kingdom, you're a big shot, man. If you know Jesus, we are royalty. We are part of his family. He is king of kings. His kingdom is coming again to this earth. But it's it's evident now in our lives as we submit to him as Lord. And uh, we are royal officials also in his kingdom. The scripture tells us here we're ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors have a high calling, don't they? Uh ambassadors walk in authority also. So uh, what God says will come about and what he will do, we can speak those words over others, and God will do that. Uh, also, an ambassador is living in a foreign land, spreading the goodwill of his or her home country. How many of you know this ain't our home? Come on now. This is not our home. Heaven, if you know Jesus, heaven is our home. And so we want to be invested there. Uh, we, we We want to be involved in God's kingdom work. Ambassadors for Christ. Look at your neighbor today and say, hey, I'm somebody to God. Tell him that. Come on. Yes. Yes, you are. You may come in today and you think, man, why would God care about me? I got good news today. God loves you more than you can ever fathom. All of us are somebodies to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start in verse 14. Let's read together. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Aren't you glad that Jesus died for everybody? Isn't that good news today? And he says we've come to this conclusion. Out of all the ministry and all the things we've learned and done. Jesus died for all. Therefore, all have died. And what he's saying is, what somebody is in the eyes of the world has died to us. The question now is, do you know Jesus or do you not know Jesus? Do you have that relationship with him? And uh, he died for all, verse 15, that those who live... So there's this distinction. Jesus died for everybody, but church, is everybody going to heaven when they die? No. It's only those who repent of sin and place faith in Jesus. It's not... Simply those who live a good life or try to do religious things. It's only those who submit to Jesus as king of their heart, repent of their sin and trust in him that are going to be, go to heaven when they die. He says he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's what it means to be a child of God, to live for Jesus. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regard, regarded Christ according to the flesh, we, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Aren't you glad your sin is gone if you know Jesus? The old is passed away. We are not defined by our past. We are defined by the grace of God. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry. And specifically, it's the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message. So we've got a ministry and a message, the message of reconciliation. And then here it is, verse 20, that new identity we have in Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. Oh, the great exchange of the gospel. Look at what it says. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God ambassadors for Christ. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says it like this. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as ambassadors, first of all, we see in this passage, we are controlled, first of all, by love. He says here, the love of Christ controls us. So love, the word here for love is the word agape in the Greek. And uh, there were multiple words that were used in the Greek to speak of different types of love. Agape was not used very often in society until Christianity became a thing. Uh, In fact, agape was this basically radical new word to the culture... To describe, listen to this, the radical love they saw among these new followers of Jesus. And specifically, how this love, it broke down all the, as the scripture says, all the dividing walls of hostility. There were people of every race, every nationality. Uh, for uh, all kinds of socioeconomic levels or different statuses in society, uh, uh, both genders, right? People from all different walks of life, uh, different political stances, who now were all coming together in this bond of Love. As the Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of love that the world should see in his church and in us. If we're truly being the ambassadors for Christ glorifying him in the way that he has called us to do that, then the, uh, hello, are you listening to me this morning? If you are, say amen. Uh, the church should not be known for its socioeconomic status. The church should not be known for its political stance, although we stand for those things in the scriptures that are uh, of God, such as life, right? We want to we stand for life. Traditional marriage, the Bible, it's biblical marriage. By the way, it's the only marriage, right? One man, one woman for one lifetime. God speaks to these things. And so we want to stand on the truth of God's word. But listen to me today. We are not errand boys and errand girls for some political party. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, May we not forget that in the midst of a political season, an election year, we are not here to promote a candidate. We're not here to promote a donkey or an elephant. We're here to promote Jesus. Come on, somebody. And when our political stances... Or our socioeconomic status, or dignified place in society, or our or our worldly success, or our race, or our sexuality. There's there's only one biblical sexuality, but that would still fit in this passage. I believe that uh, no matter what your gender. Status or sexuality status is we all come together as one in Christ and he transforms us and changes us and calls us to his pattern for gender and sexuality, right? Which is again, one man, one woman for one lifetime. By the way, our gender is given to us by God at birth. We're talking about, uh, you know, birth today and babies and sanctity of life. Listen, today, God made you who you are. The greatest joy of life is to be who you are, full of Jesus. Not something or someone else, right? But the gospel destroys all those barriers. And it brings us together as one loving family. If we are going to be the ambassadors for Christ that he has called us to be, we, we have to express this same love toward others. Gracious merciful, kind, reasonable, and respectful, although we disagree, right, with sin and wickedness in our world, but yet God has not called us to live unreasonable, disrespectful, angry, critical, bitter lives. He's called us to live lives of love. Think about Jesus. That's the supreme example, isn't it? Scripture says that uh, God demonstrates His love toward us in that why we were yet saints. Cry, come on now, even though we were saints, we were perfect. Jesus died for us. Is that right? By the way, every shade and type of our sin is a stench before God. Don't you know that Jesus died for gossip, just like he did the gender issues? He did. Just one example. But friends, listen to me today. Love is my life marked by the love of God. Romans chapter 5 says that in Christ, the, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The closer we draw to Jesus, the more we love. Listen to me. The more we love and the more our heart is broken for mankind. One of the biggest differences. Listen to this. What he's saying is one of the most marked differences between Christians and and those who do not follow Jesus is how we view people. He just said in this passage, every person is a soul for whom Jesus Christ died. And so how do we view people? It's so easy in our flesh, if you know Jesus, in this culture, to write people off and to engage in the rants and the debates and the stuff. The church, that's not going to win anybody to Jesus, is it? And so, so let's walk in our high calling. That's what he's saying. Walk in your high calling. Man, be men and women of God. Stand for the truth of the gospel. Be bold. Jesus is the answer for life and for relationships and gender and sexuality and all these things. Jesus is the answer for peace and hope in your heart and in your life. Man, let's stand and be bold, but let's do it, the Bible says, with love. The Bible says that our speech should be, what, gracious and seasoned with salt. Not salty with a little hint of grace thrown in there. Can I get an amen on that? Come on now. Our speech should be gracious and seasoned with truth. John chapter 1, the Bible says, Jesus was full of grace and of truth, both. He's the only person that could perfectly live that kind of life. But that is our pursuit. Jesus, help me to live a life like you did. Grace and truth. Love. Oh, as ambassadors of Christ, our lives are marked, controlled by love, apprehended, the word means there. It's a love that won't let go. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that though we may stray, we, <clears throat> we won't stay? Come on, children of God. In sin, we may stray. We're going to have seasons of straying, but we won't stay. Stay. There, He will call us back to Himself. Oh, the apprehending, controlling love of God. First of all, He says we're to be controlled by love. Second of all, we're to be compelled by the gospel. Now, we're going to have a little theology class here. There's some huge theological terms that come right here from this passage, okay? Uh, but He's giving us just that rock-solid foundation of our identity in Christ and what the gospel means. How Jesus died for us, took our place. What does that mean? First of all, we see here regeneration, regeneration. He says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. We're not reformed. We're not renovated. We're regenerated. That's what happens in the gospel. Born again. Isn't that what Jesus said? You must be what? Born again. That's the idea here. Ephesians chapter two says that in salvation, God takes us from death to life. He makes us alive in him. That's the idea here, that in salvation, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and transforms us from the inside out, right? It's kind of like a a Jasmine on that movie Aladdin. I got any Disney fans in here before they went woke? Come on, come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Let's just own it today, right? Uh, Back in the day, man, Disney was awesome with some Cinderella and Snow White. Sleeping Beauty, man, those princesses back in the day, right? And so, uh, Aladdin, whenever Jasmine fell in love with that little old scoundrel of a dude named Aladdin, what'd she sing? It's a whole new... Oh, come on, ladies. I knew I'd get some ladies to sing it with me. Right? Whole new world, right? That's what happens in salvation. Whole new world. It is a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole new way of speaking. It's a whole new way of relating to others. It's a whole new way of making decisions. Now it's not my decision. Just run some pros and cons and get some information and just kind of analyze some facts and go. No, no, no. Do all that. But then I submit all that to Jesus. Because there's times where he'll tell us to do stuff. Come on, children of God. That doesn't make sense based on the facts that I see. There are times where he does that. And so we surrender it all to him. So regeneration we see here. Secondly, we see reconciliation. He uses that word a lot in this passage, doesn't he? Reconciliation. Reconciliation speaks of enemies, now friends. That's the idea. In sin before Christ, our sin separates us from God. And literally, because he is so holy... As we sang this morning, our sin makes us enemies of God. But through Christ, through his precious blood that was shed on the cross, when we surrender to him as Lord, now we're not only friends. Oh, come on, church. We are family, sons and daughters of God. Reconciliation. And by the way, that's our ministry in our message here. We'll talk about that in just a moment as ambassadors. So reconciliation, listen, church. Speaks of those who are far from God. Far from God. Therefore, most likely also far from the church being brought in. We'll talk more about that ministry and that message in a moment. But reconciled. Aren't you glad that now we're family, right, with with the king? Man, we're, we're in God's kingdom. So we see regeneration. We see reconciliation. Number three, we see justification. That, that's a legal term in the Bible when you see that word justified or justification, which means not guilty. We are guilty of the crimes of sin. And whenever we place faith in Jesus, man, our, our record is expunged. We are declared not guilty for all time. Aren't you glad that our, the old is gone? Behold, there is new. That has come in Jesus. Forgiven of every sin. This is good. Child of God, listen closely. You're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. And uh, now, does God want us to confess our sin to him? Absolutely he does. And, And it harms our fellowship, that intimacy we have with God. And it breaks the heart of the child of God. How can we say we love God, but yet still live in, as a pattern of life, live in sin, it says. Especially in the book of Romans. Uh, But friends, listen to me. The good news today is every sin we've ever committed and ever will commit, if you've come to Jesus, is already forgiven. God just wants us to acknowledge it and walk with Him. To acknowledge that forgiveness. Justification. Today, you're not guilty anymore. Aren't you glad that God ain't mad at us today? Come on, somebody. He's not mad at you today. No matter how broken your life. Man, in His grace, He's inviting you into relationship with Himself. And children of God today, don't run from God. When you mess up, Man, you screw up, it happens. Come into the house of God. Man, come to the Lord in prayer. Get in His Word. No, there's grace there. Not condemnation or shame. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the body of Christ. Man, let's pray together. Let's work through this, right? There's grace. So justification, but then we also see here imputation. The doctrine of imputation. In other words, imputation means something that is credited to your account Basically as a gift. And that's the idea here. God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us on the cross. He literally became our sin on the cross. All of our sin, the sinless son of God became our sin on the cross so that we could receive his sinless position. Do we still sin as children of God? Do we still sin? Absolutely we do. But positionally, that's the gospel. When God looks at me now, he doesn't define me by my sin. He defines me by the, hello, the righteousness of his own son. That's what God does. That's what happens in the gospel and happens in salvation. Imputation. Reminds me of the story of uh, dude, Frank Abagnale. You ever heard that name before? Y'all ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, it's the story of Frank Abagnale. Man, this little dude for five years was the most, fam- arguably, the most famous con man in in history. Sixteen year old dude posed as a Pan Am pilot. Right, got got the, the the suit, the the pilot's outfit. Got a fake ID. Got a fake FAA pilot's license, and was able to go on over two hundred and fifty flights over a million miles of flying to 26 different countries just deadheading. In other words, getting getting a jump seat, right, on, on planes that had an open seat. Uh, he forged a Harvard Law transcript at 19 years old, passed Lu, the Louisiana bar exam, and went to work for the Attorney General's office of the state of Louisiana as a 19-year-old kid. I mean, just unbelievable. But all this stuff started at 16 years old, Uh, listen to me, listen to to this. 16 years old, he went to his local bank and he got a bunch of deposit slips, went home, electronically printed his own bank account on all those deposit slips, went back and put them in the stack at the bank and folks took took those deposit slips and started putting money into his account at 16 years old. Hey, listen, I got good news today. When it comes to our spiritual account, the bad news is, we got nothing by which to pay the debt that we owe to God. But God took a deposit slip, and he put his own account number right on that. And, and Well, put his money in our account, I should say. Put our account on his deposit slip, and deposited into our account all of his righteousness. All of his sinlessness. All of his strength. His Holy Spirit. He, Jesus, Right? Paid a debt he didn't know We owed a debt we couldn't pay, but he paid that debt and he didn't know it. By the way, that's the love we are to express to others that he's talking about in this passage. Which leads to number three. Man, we're to be controlled by love, compelled by the gospel, but number three we see here, we're commissioned for the kingdom. If you're a child of God here today, listen, we are saved to share... We're saved to give. We are saved to serve. If you're not involved in ministry, and I don't, I don't want to say that today as some kind of legalistic, just check the box, you ought to be doing this and guilting people. No, 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 listen to that. Compelled by the gospel. When we understand all that he's done for us in salvation, that's the motivator. God, you've been so good to me. And I trust you, and you are such a good provider and a healer and protector, and you've done so much in my life. I want to give back. I want to get in on that blessing. I want to help others in need. I want to give to a whole pregnancy center and help some young ladies who are stuck in a tough situation. Man, I want to share the gospel with my coworker, my teammate, my classmate, my family member. I want to live this way, oh God. I want to live generous, hospitable, a generous, hospitable life. And that's what he's talking about here. We're commissioned. He says we have a ministry. The word for ministry here is the word diakonia. The root word is diakonos. It's where we get the term or the office deacon. And the word speaks of a servant. A servant. Someone who works for a master or a servant for a king. These are the people who have the lowest status. In the lowest position in the kingdom. But yet out of the joy of their heart. Love to just serve the king. That's the idea here. A ministry. And by the way. He says here we all have a ministry. We in the church. In America especially. We have dumbed serving God down to. Man we just need some rotational volunteers. Man if you will just serve in kids once every two months or. You'll just come and, you know, help with youth every now and then at a lock-in or something. Or you just come in and, you know, set up some chairs maybe once every six weeks. Or Man, you're serving God. Are are we grateful for all of our volunteers? Living Hope Faithful leaders and staff in the room? Absolutely we are. Listen to me. But you're not, listen to me, even that word devalues, doesn't it? You're not a volunteer. We're ambassadors for Christ. Every single child of God, listen to me, doesn't have a a rotational volunteer position in the church. Every child of God has a ministry. Whole different mindset, isn't it? So a part of our response today, we're going to move to prayer and response time in just a moment. Part of our response today is this question. What's your ministry? We want to get everybody in this place into that ministry, where is it where your heart is full of God and you're excited about it and you want to serve in that place, where is it? Whether it's here in the church or it's with Hope Pregnancy Center or Mana Cafe or Packs, or Mission Partners in town or maybe God is calling you today to full-time ministry or missions. That's what God did in my life, right? On a winter retreat as a senior in high school, God, Knocked on the door of my heart. I'll never forget it. In in the hotel room that evening, we were up in Pigeon Forge. Come on, Pigeon Forge. Who likes some Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg, right? Man, I get closer to God on that mountain. You know what I'm saying? We had winter retreat for for our youth group, and we're up there with a bunch of other youth groups. Man, in the middle of the night, I'll never forget it. I'd gotten saved a year before at 17 years old. By the way, grown up in church all my life. Godly parents raised me in the church. But I, man, I got baptized when I was eight years old, but I wasn't saved. And I didn't realize it until I was 17 years old, man. And, and God apprehended me with His gospel and said, listen, you're playing the game. I am not the Lord of your life. And I surrendered to Jesus. And by the way, I was baptized again, but this time it was for real. The week after I gave my heart to Christ. But a year later, we're, we're just retreating pigeon forwards. man, in the middle of the night, God woke me up. In the middle of the night, and I and I went into the bathroom there because, you know, a group of us in the room, it's in the middle of the night. So I went in the bathroom, I just start praying, man. I'm like, God, I thought I was saved. you know, I, God, I thought I was saved and everything's good and what's going on? And God said, listen, you're saved. I'm calling you to ministry. And he, wa- he wanted me to remember that day because ministry, listen to me, full-time ministry ain't easy. It's incredibly rewarding. It's such a joy to it, but it's not easy. And God called me that night and he said, listen, I'm calling you to full-time ministry. From that point, started getting involved in our student ministry and leading worship and leading Bible study. Just as, as, as a lay person, by the way, what your the job that you keep, right? A job is what we're paid to do. Your calling is what you're made to do. You do what you love. The things that you love, you pour your time and money into. Listen, some of you guys, I don't have to say nothing to you about spending your money to go hunt or play golf or go fishing. Ladies, go shopping. Why? Because you love it. You love it. How in the world can we say we love God we don't want to give any time or money to Him? Are you listening? I don't mean that to be hard today. Let me ask you another question. This is a question on my heart this past week. Young couples especially, listen to me, because the statistics right now in the church in America are that the majority of the giving and the serving comes from middle-aged and older people. People who grew up in a time where you gave to institutions. You gave back to your college or your university as an alum, you know, alumni of that school and give to your church. And you want to see these institutions and these organizations strong. And it's not about institutions or organizations. But let me ask you a question. If the church of tomorrow is based on your giving and serving today, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? And hear my heart today. That I don't, I don't mean that to be condemning. That's just, that's just real, isn't it? It's not about the church needing your money. It's not about God needing. God doesn't need your money or mine. It's about us expressing our worship and our gratitude, man, in extravagant ways. I'm the one that needs to give. I'm the one that needs to serve. And so if the church of tomorrow is based on your and my giving and serving today, what's it going to look like tomorrow? Let's start now. Aren't you grateful that God has put this thing together called the local church where we can come, we can worship, and then we can mobilize and go reach people for Jesus and come alongside Hope Pregnancy and YPACs and Mana Cafe and all these folks and mission partners in India and Nicaragua and in our country and around the world? Oh, we can do so much more together. Everybody has a ministry and we've also got a message. He talks about it here. A message. What's the message? Jesus saves. It's a message of grace and of hope. Yes, of conviction. Yes, we've got to acknowledge our sin. God, I need you. We've got to acknowledge our need. And those that we share Christ with, right? We can't, church, listen to me. We can't just affirm everything. Come on, young people. I'm not on Facebook celebrating somebody coming out. I mean, I can't, like, I'm just going to be kind of quiet on that. Still going to love people. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gracious to others. I'm going to be respectful, but I, I can't. Come on now. But at the end of the day, the message is listen, we all need Jesus, and man, I'm inviting you to know him. Grace, hope. Transformation, real peace, life awaits. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. So glad you could join us. If you've given your heart to Jesus, text Hope Jesus, all one word. Text Hope Jesus to 77411. Hope Jesus. 77411. And let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you hadn't done that already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share it out. You never know whose life might be changed by simply sharing this message today. So share it out. Okay. And so thank you again for listening in and we invite you to listen in with us next week.